What's up, everyone? We are in a new set, as you can see, because now we have returned back to the YouTube channel. The last two episodes were audio only, but you know, the real MVPs of this podcast would know that. Of course. Yeah. And who doesn't want to watch two beautiful people Ew. talking? <laughs> Why would you describe <laughs> us like this? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, if you're, if you're a podcast listener, mm. uh, audio only, uh, and if you weren't aware, we do have the YouTube version. Yes, we do. Essentially the same version, but uh, in video format. Yeah, because some people so like to visually watch and see the expressions that we're making. But something I've discovered while editing only the audio version of the podcast, mm -hmm. how much fun it is to edit that. Really? You know, there's so much you can do just that's just audio. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I suppose. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Cause I've never edited just an audio oh, podcast. So it's different. Like the pacing's different and you're not distracted by other things. This is why I like podcasts so much. Mm. That's just audio only. Yeah. I mean, give us a good example of things that you can do on an audio only podcast, but you can't do on a video form. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can make a bunch of faces and do yeah. crazy things. Of without course. People knowing, and no but... one would have any idea. But here now, we have too many witnesses. You're all witnesses. Well, speaking of witnesses, there are some things in life where a witness is legally required. Oh, transition. Thank you. Ooh. And uh, one of those things where it's supposed to be two witnesses for something to legally come into being would be a marriage, right? That's right. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, it's not really about marriage, is it? But it is something that's tied into that here in Korea. I feel like, I feel like we're going to take a pretty dark turn very abruptly. Um, but actually, specifically what we're going to talk about is um, foreign brides in Korea. And we're going to, I guess, break down that term a little bit more mm -hmm. very shortly because I think there's going to be some of our listeners who are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a foreign bride in Korea. I'm foreign girl who married a Korean guy. And you might find yourself, yeah, I fall in that category. But we're going to be talking um, very specifically about when we're talking about these quote unquote foreign brides. Yeah, totally. I think this is an important topic because it it's very closely re related to the Happy Project and also for uh, a lot of people out there who may not be aware that uh, this sort of thing goes on mm -hmm. uh, in Korea especially. And, you know, I'm sure this goes on in many other parts of the world. Uh, but because this is closely related to us here and mm -hmm. we're living here, um, and it's something that you and I, we actually don't see this with our own eyes uh, per se. Well, we might and just not be aware of it exactly so it's not like out in the open or very uh just obvious mm -hmm. but it's actually more rampant than anyone would probably realize that's right yeah um so okay let's i think uh, to get people to grasp what exactly we're talking about we're going to share with you three scenarios out of i'm sure the thousands but three that actually reach the public eye and really started to spark this conversation about problems 
with foreign brides in Korea. Now, don't don't jump out of your seats yet when I say problems with foreign brides, okay? We're talking about very specific things here. So it's this case. In 2018, there was a young Vietnamese woman. She was 29 years old, and she married a Korean man who was in his 50s. He came to Vietnam, and they married in Vietnam in front of her family there. And um, she spoke only Vietnamese. He spoke only Korean. She moved to South Korea a couple months later. I think it was seven months later. Three months later, she was murdered by her husband who stabbed her 10 times. He was sentenced to 15 years of prison. This was one case. Let's talk about a second case. So there was a viral video that broke out in 2019 about a 36-year-old South Korean man who physically and verbally abused his Vietnamese wife. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember hearing about this. Um, I was living in Korea at the time, but not only did I hear about it, but it made global headlines. Yeah. So people all over the world... Uh, were made aware of this situation. And this video basically showed the man slapping, kicking, and repeatedly punching mm -hmm. uh, his wife in the head and in the stomach as he yelled, you are not in Vietnam. Right, in front of their child. In front of their two-year-old son. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, this incident uh, made big headlines. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, she did not pass away. Not, not that I'm aware of, because mm -hmm. I know that they put her in a, some sort of a, um, like a protective custody or like, a, like maybe a safe a house. Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Here's another case. It was in 2010, a 20 year old, uh, again, Vietnamese woman. She married a 47 year old Korean man. And eight days after arriving to Korea, uh, she was murdered by him. And what came to light afterwards is that he had a history of mental illness. I even found a record that said 57 times he had been medicated as having schizophrenia. Dang. When she was, I will say, paired with him, she did not know this about his mental illness. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, we bring up these three cases not because they are the most horrible cases or the most brutal cases in these scenarios, but because they are the ones that got the most public attention. And especially in the 2010 case, there was some change that happened after that. Thank goodness. Um, but what I find quite surprising is that the three cases that really captured our attention are so recent. When, in fact, this has been going on for quite a number of years. So today we are going to talk about this concept of foreign brides. And I, I really want to be careful now when we are using the words foreign bride because... When you say in Korean, we usually just say what? 결혼, international marriage, which is quite a broad category, mm -hmm. right? You can have so many people, obviously today, who come to Korea as students, let's say, or to here to work, fall in love with Korean native, local, and they get married. And those can be also 결혼. But in this case, when we're talking about foreign brides, these are in particular um, women who are from... It could be, of course, any country, but as we see, it's it's primarily focused in a number of Southeast Asian countries, some Central Asian countries. And um, in a way, they go through, uh, uh, what, what would you call that? A business? Like a, like a service. A broker. Yeah, matchmaking service or mm -hmm. marriage broker. Yeah, so there are these um, registered businesses, essentially, in Korea uh, where they set up these Korean men with primarily international women. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, mostly, uh, from my knowledge, in these 
Southeast Asian or Central Asian countries. Yeah. Um, I guess mainly from like Vietnam and there's some from Philippines, some from China. And there's a history behind that, which I'm sure we can get into. We will. But uh, yeah, so there are still a lot of these companies that are registered today, um, yes. close to 300, I believe. So we're going to talk about uh, the brokers in particular, these marriage brokers. But um, first, let me just share a couple of stats about uh, international marriage here in Korea. So in 2018, um, it said about 16,608 Korean men and foreigner women married. As you as you can see, I'm emphasizing Korean man and a foreigner woman. Uh, and 28% of all those marriages in 2018 were, again, it was with a Korean man and a Vietnamese bride. 28% of those marriages and this is the 2018 um stats and then uh the distribution of foreign brides in south korea in 2019 i pulled up this graph and uh, i got this off of i think it was cnn where they had a really great article about this that you can check out but uh from foreign brides out of the, all the foreign brides in south korea in 2019 it says approximately three percent were cambodian uh about 3.38% were American, and then we have 4.6% were Filipino, 5% were Japanese. Then it jumps to about 11.6% were Thai. Um, there's a 15% category where it's just others. Then we have about 20.6% Chinese, and then another big jump to almost 38% as Vietnamese women. Mm -hmm. So you can see that a big percentage of foreign brides in South Korea tend to be Vietnamese, and there's a reason for that. Um, do we, do we want to talk specifically about Vietnam yet? Or should I just continue with my stats? You think, uh, I think we can continue. Okay. So, uh, well, like I said, there's a big reason for that. And that is because according to these marriage matchmaking businesses, Vietnamese brides are economic. It's not as expensive to, and I'm a bit loath to use this word, uh, but to purchase a bride. Mm-hmm from Vietnam. Um, so I pulled up from the Ministry of Gender Equality and Family, and they had a study in 2017 that's talking about this international marriage matchmaking business. And it says, women from Uzbekistan are most expensive, costing an average of 18.3 million won per person. So 18.3 million won is like 19,000 USD. Uh, it would be oh, a little less than that, yeah, right? like less, 17, 17 something. Yeah, about 17. Then 000. the Philippines is about 15.2 million won. So maybe 14,000. Cambodia is 14.4 million won and Vietnam is 14.2 million won. And uh, China is 10.7 million won. So actually, uh, it didn't it originally started where they were trying to get Korean who are, women who are ethnically Korean, but from China. Mm -hmm. Right. That in, was in the 1980s. Right? How it began. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, there are costs to having an international marriage through uh, these matchmaking businesses. So the big question we need to ask then is, okay, because <laughs> to, to maybe to us, it sounds a little bit um, unusual to find a husband, this route, to get married in such a way, to have money being such a central aspect mm -hmm. to getting married right to some of us i think it might feel like whoa that's too <laughs> financially speaking marriage is about love right so why then do these women come to korea and why are they getting married i mean there's a lot of reasons that we can go through but i think uh the central theme in most of these situations not necessarily all is the fact that 
these women, they're looking for an escape. They're mm-hmm. looking from for an escape from their current situation or their economic hardship because they they tend to come from places where they they're either poor or they don't have any resources. And so they figure that this might be their way out. And it's somewhat of a mutual, I mean, I, I can put it like this, even though they probably don't necessarily look at it like this. It's like, kind of like a mutual business relationship. Like, mm. you know, we agree to come into contract to marry each other. And you benefit, uh, Korean man, by having a wife who will do whatever she needs to do. According to the expectations. Yeah. Right? But also, I get to move to a better country, upgrade my life, and then potentially work. A working visa. Right, right. I can make money. And then also, for many people, many women, they get to send money back to families at home. Mm-hmm. Because the power of the Korean one and what they're able to make here would be much better than what they can make at home Mm -hmm. so that's um that seems to be sort of the common denominator in a lot of these situations Mm -hmm. but there are also you know other reasons why i think some of these uh foreign brides will will come to marry korean men even under these circumstances yeah something i find very interesting is uh what i've noticed in many of these countries where they are getting foreign brides like vietnam or philippines or thailand is uh, a love of K-dramas. Mm. Korean dramas, you know, are very, very popular there. And um, I think that that media can portray a very false image of what getting married to a Korean man might look like. These expectations of what life could be. And in reality, it is um, oftentimes quite different. Now, we really, really want to emphasize that, of course, there are going to be those who really do genuinely mean well when they want to find a bride in vietnam let's say sure yeah and it works out well and they're happy and they do end up in love or or just grow to really care for each other those cases do exist right and even so much so that a lot of these vietnamese uh prospective brides they hear from their friends mm-hmm. or people that they know that have come over to korea to they marry their oppa or whatever yeah. you know they marry their uh their spouse mm-hmm. and they have a good situation like yeah. maybe their life has been made better and so they hear from people they know or their friends and so they want the same thing for yeah. their life but their situation might turn out to be different that's right we are not discounting those cases so if you are one of those women who have a very similar experience we are not discounting that experience but we are saying that there have been some serious issues and there are reasons for that and we're going to get into that a bit more a little bit later on so um let's let's look on the flip side then why would korean men want to marry these migrant brides that's a good question. I mean, there for one, there's a huge gender imbalance in the context of where these men are. Mm-hmm. So most of these men come from the countryside, the rural areas of Korea. So we're not talking about Seoul or Busan or some of these bigger cities, but we're talking about even towns that I don't even know of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so there is a gender imbalance in that there are, to start with, there are less girls or less females in the area to begin with because it's a smaller population (laughs) Uh but a lot of the females they tend to uh, escape the countryside if you will Mm. and they'll go and find work in the city and so these guys they're just kind of going growing older and their pool is very small yeah and so this is sort of their i guess next best option 
Mm. Um, so that's yeah. one of the reasons one out of the many potential reasons yeah i mean we have this kind of mass exodus of the rural areas into the cities i mean we see seoul is perfect i mean that's the example of it we see all these outlying what used to be the rich agricultural farming lifestyles and now everyone moves into seoul because this is where it's all happening mm-hmm. you can get your education here you can meet so many different kinds of people different job opportunities um, getting married. This is a big reason actually why a lot of women who are born in rural areas come into the city because of the prospects of meeting, you know, an educated guy who's got a good career as opposed right. to living in the rural areas. Right. And so you might wonder, well, why don't these guys come to the city to work? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Why yeah. not? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, they may not be well-educated because Korea ec- economically and educationally is so competitive. And mm. so they may not have had the same resources or the same type of education, which consequently allows them or doesn't allow them to have the same opportunities. Yeah. Uh, so that could be one reason. So they're sort of, they feel stuck mm. in where they are. And also another reason could be their, uh, they might be the firstborn son. Yeah. And it's still tradition in their family that the firstborn will stay and take care of the, the aging parents. That's right. Uh, so that's another big reason. And so it's just this family responsibility that's mm-hmm. built into the culture. Um, and, and, you know, I think Korea is moving away from that generally in terms of like the, the responsibility or taking care of the older generation, like your parents. Um, but I think that's still a prominent part of the culture, Sure, and just and not as strong as before. We're talking about countryside versus in the city life, right. because of course there's a different change or I suppose even westernization of thought that happens inside of the city life that's more globalized and connected with the outside world. But if you're living in a more rural area and your primary focus would be family or your tradition or more conservative values, undoubtedly you're not going to be so quick to change the way that you have been living or the way that you grew up. Um, another thing, of course, besides this uh, just concept of, you know, women moving into the city for jobs and marriage and then men staying behind to take care of the family due to confusion expectations. But um, also, I, I read that in the 18, 1980s and the 1990s, due to sex selective abortions, they, there's a greater proportion of males that were born during that time mm, as opposed wow. to females. So now this generation is in the marriage market. And there's less opportunity to meet women simply on the fact that there are just less women. Right. Wow. That's uh, that makes a lot of sense because yeah. again, it's a patriarchal type of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, on top of that, and this might be, um, you know, surprising to many people, but you, you know, uh, there were a lot of government subsidies that were yeah, um, this surprised me. Yeah, given out. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, and even to this day in some of the rural areas, there's still subsidies that are given out to, um, I mean, it's it's sort of twofold, I guess, uh, to these marriage brokers yeah. and, and institutions, but also directly to these Korean men. Yeah, so they're the incentivized. Bachelors. Yeah, they're incentivized for a Korean man who's never been married to go and get married and we'll give you 5 million won, which is like 4,700 ish. Yeah. Um, so USD. I, yeah, USD. So I think, um, it's, it's not as prevalent as it once was, but even for example, South Jolla province province. Jolla? Jolla. Oh, okay, Jolla. Yeah. Offers even to this day offers men older than 35 who's never been married 5 million won. A subsidy for marrying a foreign wife yeah not that, even just a, that's the qualification yeah, a foreign wife 
and they're able to qualify by presenting a, an official marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a that's another you know uh, I guess reason or incentive for some of these men to get married, and it's all rooted in the fact that uh, Korea is just not marrying; they're not having families. Mm-hmm. The population is rapidly aging, and we have a gender disimbalance. This mm-hmm. kind of all of those reasons combined together. I mean, if you look at it from face value, if the government is like, "Hey, I mean, okay, let's think about you. Let's imagine." that you were living out in the countryside and you were taking care of your parents and mm-hmm. you were farming the land. That's so funny. <laughs> and that. it's not funny. It's just imagining <laughs> you. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're hanging out on your farm in Jolla province. And then a government official is like, hey, um, you're like 35 now, right? I mean, you look way younger because <laughs> we know that you take good care of your skin and you work out every day. But... I know your real age because I'm a government official here and, you know, you're at the district office and stuff. It's about time you got married. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that would be great. I'd love to get married. And then they're like, hey, you know, you should also have lots of kids because you're a good looking guy and you should have good looking kids too. Great. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, that would be great too. I'd, I'd really love to do that. And they're like, you know what? How about this? You get yourself a wife and we'll pay you. That sounds great on face value. Heck yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. See, on face value, <laughs> sounds awesome. But obviously, there's a whole host of issues that come up behind that. Yeah. That will come up, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So we we did talk a little bit about how these marriages uh, happen, but let's talk a little bit more about the marriage brokers or matchmakers. Okay, yeah, this is this is. I think it's important for people to understand how this is actually happening, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, we like to talk about it on this grand, open, big scale, like oh. Just go to Vietnam and get a wife. But in reality, I mean, there's a whole lot of, I guess, steps or machinery in play to make this happen. Yeah. I mean, as we mentioned, uh, in the 1980s, local governments began to subsidize private marriage brokers who had introduced single farmers to ethnically Korean women in China. Mm -hmm. And these brokers were actually paid about 46 million won per marriage, which at the time was about 3,800 USD to 5,700 USD. So, you know, these brokers obviously were incentivized to make these connections happen. Mm -hmm. And again, this was an attempt to address the aging population issue. And decades later, brokers began matchmaking non-ethnically Korean brides to Korean men. And this really fueled the broker industry so much so that by May of 2019, there were 380 matchmaking agencies registered Mm. in Korea. So, you know, I have to think, you know, are there like these under the table or like unofficial matchmaking agencies as well? You know, and not only that, but probably like personal connections and personal introductions, I'm sure, play a part in this. Can I tell you a quick story? Sure. Um, When I was in Uzbekistan and I can't you know, back this up with evidence. But uh, I was in Uzbekistan and I was uh, hanging out at this hotel. And um, I remember seeing at the table back nearby me, there was um, a young woman. She was Uzbek, very pretty girl. And then this guy next to her who was also Uzbek, but he could speak in Korean. I could hear him speaking in Korean. And then there was an elderly Korean man across the table. He... By elderly, I don't mean he was like, you know, decrepit. But in comparison to her, she was quite youthful, maybe 20s. And he had to have been at least in his 50s. And he was sitting on the opposite side of the table. 
And of course, I can only hear one half of the conversation in Korean and not, I can't understand um, Uzbek language. And uh, the guy was saying to the Korean man, oh, I'm her, I'm her oppa, I'm her brother. And then he would speak to her. And then he would look at the Korean guy and say like, yeah. And, and I couldn't quite understand everything very well at that time. But I had a kind of itching feeling like, is this guy really her brother? And why on earth are they having a weird date here? You know, and who is that guy? Because it did feel like some kind of transaction mm -hmm. was going on. This was the feeling that I had as I was watching this kind of happen, you know, pretty close to me. Um, and it was only years later when I learned more about this. And I thought, you know, I think that was actually, I think he was a marriage broker. I don't think he was the real brother because she obviously didn't speak Korean. So she didn't know what he was saying. And I think that guy was there to marry her mm. this is this is kind of the feeling i had after all of these years wow it was very weird yeah i guess hindsight is 2020 you know realizing that now with what mm -hmm. you know um yeah i i've got to wonder i mean you just witnessed that happenstance so that it was you know, totally out in the open it wasn't right you know, like so a secret i thing. yeah so i have to wonder again you know is this something that just happens on on the daily yeah you know what i mean and i have another quick story to tell you oh in university there was a girl i knew she was uzbek she was really pretty um and very young i i distinctly remember that because i actually thought she was too young to be in our class i was like well, how old are you um but she was already married when at that time i was what 19 i think 1920 and she had to have been, I guess, 18 or 19. Um, and she would talk about her husband. And I was like, I'm, wait a minute. You know, I, I just felt very kind of off to mm -hmm. me. Um, she had no photos of him. She never, she would talk about him, but she never told us what he did. She never told us um, how old he was, like nothing. And then she attended school with me for about a year. And we were friends on Facebook. And she didn't really post too much. And then all of a sudden, I see the next year she's got a baby, but the baby was already like two years old. Hmm. And so I, I also found that a little odd and suspicious. And, you know, I left her messages. Oh, your baby is so cute. It's so good to see you here. I hope we can meet sometime. And she was always very friendly and nice with me. Um, yeah. And then one day she just stopped posting on Facebook. But I just I remember finding it very like very in, incongruous, incongruous incongruent incongruent <laughs> with um what i knew of her and then the things that i was seeing kind of playing out in photos or you know what i would piece together from the things that she said so so she had the so she had to have had the baby prior to you meeting to her. me meeting her at mm -hmm. school yeah mm -hmm. so i also found that a little bit odd but again i have no evidence i have i could totally be wrong the baby might have been just born you know really really big <laughs> so that is also a possibility but um these are just instances that have stuck with me yeah yeah wow i have no cool stories about this unfortunately not Personal unfortunately stories. i mean it's, it's good it's better i think the less that this is happening that's true the better i mean if if people are getting into bad situations due to this now i okay so i feel like when we're talking about this we talk about in the terms of like payments brokers you know subsidies they're very professional words but what if you really break it down you will have some people who say you know what this actually is it's just human trafficking you are just paying a fee to get a woman to fulfill a certain need mm. 
But yeah. these women oftentimes, now things have changed a little bit, but at the time, uh, they don't know who this guy is. He, there have been cases, you know, where the men would just come and they'd have a room of women and he would just pick the one he wanted. Right. What is that? That is not, in my opinion, um, the basis for a happy marriage. But I could be wrong, you know, in some circumstances. But these women yeah. just come, you know, or they're taken sometimes or forcibly entering into this marriage contract out of um, some necessity or lack that they're having current situation and hoping for a better future. So as you can already see, there is a power disbalance existing. So a lot of times these foreign brides in Korea are very vulnerable to domestic abuse. And we can see clearly why. Right. You know, if you look into these the situation and really what's going on behind the scenes. So National Human Rights Commission of Korea survey in 2017, they conducted a survey with about 920 foreign brides. Um, 42% of them reported domestic violence. 42%, almost half. Mm -hmm. My goodness. And then even worse, it continues. 81% um, reported verbal abuse. 38% reported physical abuse. And 27% forced cut to to cut ties with the motherland in comparison a survey by the ministry of gender equality and family in 2019 uh, surveyed south korean women and they said about 29 percent of them were victims of domestic abuse which is already horrific but if you're thinking 42 percent of these foreign brides and um a lot of times these foreign brides don't have um any rights away from their husband right while these south korean women do right i mean i i think that is uh one of the big issues of a lot of these foreign brides who succumb to this sort of violence or abuse is they don't have too many options uh you know it's so the thing is they're able to uh if it's a legitimate marriage they're able to like the spouse is able to get an f6 visa i believe it is mm -hmm. okay um but she's able to get a visa that allows her to live here mm -hmm. because she's tied to her husband. But what if uh, the marriage dissolves and she's the one that's like, you know what? I don't want to be married anymore. Well, she has to pack her bags and go back to her country. Yeah. She can't just stay here. Yeah. Now, um, I because think he sponsors the visa. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or so. So I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of women do stay silent or, you know, in the case of this survey, I'm sure it was very anonymous. But, you know, the the wives understand that they can really anger their husband. Mm. And then that's that's it. They mm. have to go back or they might suffer more of abuse. So I think that's one of the reasons why they just stay silent. Now, I, I do know that um, in certain cases when, let's just say, the marriage dissolves and if the wife can prove that it is the fault of the husband, mm -hmm. say through abuse or something like that, then there is a little bit of leeway for the foreign bride to, yeah. to stay here, to get up on her feet, especially if she has a child. But I think uh, she really, in that time period, I, I don't know how long it is, maybe a year or two, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone knows, but like she has that time period to figure out what she's going to do apart from her husband, mm -hmm. because she will likely have to try to find another way to stay here, another visa to survive off of. Right. Yeah. So all in all though, it's, it's really at a disadvantage for the foreign bride. Mm -hmm. If anything goes wrong with the marriage, yeah. so she can't work here, she can't live here. And oftentimes through these marriage brokers, the men are allowed to ask as many questions as they like. 
they can you know ask mm-hmm. this and that and this and have this information but oftentimes the women do, don't get to get to ask questions about the men who are interested in her mm-hmm. and we saw in that earlier case in the issue of the history of mental health that she didn't know that you know they, that information was not shown to her and there are many cases where i mean now it has changed through the men marriage brokers but many cases prior where they the women didn't even speak korean whatsoever or the men didn't even speak her native language either so there was i mean no communication to begin with so that is also of course a huge issue in trying to establish will this be a healthy relationship or not right so yeah these women oftentimes stay silent a lot of it has to do with the visa sponsorship because i think still people who get married are they even able to get their own citizenship through marriage it's not right i mean is that even possible anywhere i i think so uh i'm not 100 sure but i think eventually um she could qualify for a citizenship i do remember reading something about that but i'm not 100 sure okay yeah so yeah so we have uh, these communication issues we have the sponsorship issues um there's already a lot of uh gender discrimination that exists here in korea i would like to point out according to the 2020 world economic forum's latest global gender gap report south korea actually ranks among the lowest in the oecd due to unequal political and employment opportunities for women so there's a huge gender discrimination that is existing here also on top of that we have uh racism that also exists in Mm -hmm. korea and so these women these migrant brides are not only facing language barriers uh, gender discrimination racial discrimination but there are also these institutional issues that are in play here that is giving these uh korean men far more power over the women right like how how is a woman gonna report any domestic abuse when she can't speak korean and she doesn't Mm. know who to call Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so there's a lot of this this power disbalance i know i keep saying that over and over again but i mean it's it's a real thing and it's very very multi-layered um i found this uh i believe uh ha young suk so she's the head of korea women migrants human rights center and this quote that i pulled says koreans often express a sense of inferiority to the west even defining themselves as victims of racism but act superior to people from countries where economic conditions are not as high as korea and as we can see where a majority of these countries where migrant brides are being selected they are countries that economically speaking are at a disadvantage compared Mm -hmm. to korea so already we have this sense of of you know like uh superiority and inferiority complex is happening yeah so there can be discrimination from the society discrimination by their extended family difficulty with the mother-in-law families will exclude brides from decision making she doesn't have any power she can't make money maybe without her husband if she wants money she has to go and ask him for it and so there's just a lot of issues here and then on top of that right now there is no uh, anti-discrimination law in play that is guaranteeing legal protection against discrimination for all citizens why we mentioned this in a previous podcast it's because this law is trying that's currently being um in discussion i think they're going to vote on it in july there it's kind of sweeping including minorities and people who are lgbtq and so this is kind of the biggest reason why there's pushback to this anti-discrimination law Mm -hmm. because as much as this shames me to say it christian groups in korea are pushing back against that right 
So this is why we don't have an anti-discrimination law currently in Korea. And on top of all of that, there's already this foundation of South Korea tending to treat domestic violence as just, you know, family matters. You guys internally deal with it. It's embarrassing right. to share it with your friends or your society around you. So a lot of women already are inclined to stay silent when they're facing this kind of domestic troubles. Yeah, but, you know, it, I, I do have to mention that there are positive steps, mm-hmm. whether we think that, you know, they're big enough or not. At least there are some positive steps and implementations from the Korean government. Yes that are at play here. You know, I was reading about, um, there's, uh, I think it was two years ago, they they set up at least five different counseling centers for mm. victims of domestic abuse, uh, specifically for foreign brides. And their plan was to up that uh, to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I don't know how big these centers are, or, you know, if they have enough resources for all of the potential, you know, victims, but, uh, that was something that they were proactively trying to put into play. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are seven now, or I don't know if COVID sort of, uh, you Slow know. things Yeah, down. but uh, at least that was something that they were trying to implement. And also, they launched a new emergency call line where uh, foreign wives can use uh, this line to report to the police mm. in their own language. Mm-hmm. And um, the last I read, there were 13 languages uh, offered at the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of things. I mean, so again, um, I think, uh, another thing that, uh, you know, I don't know how effective this is, but another thing that the government is doing is they provide education for foreign wives. Uh, I'm sure that's hugely effective. Yeah. Yeah. So there's well, done what properly, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so I don't, I don't know what kind of education mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's sort of a Korea culture 101, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, uh, if I can offer my opinion, it's like these these husbands, they need to be educated. I kind of agree with you. You know what I mean? So like it's again, I don't know how effective this is, but at least it is a sign that Korea is starting to face this and attack this issue uh, Mm -hmm. head on, whether they wanted to initially or not, Mm -hmm. because it seemed like they were sort of just sweeping it under the rug Mm -hmm. for a while. But I mean... I guess with the internet now and with viral videos, <laughs> you can't really just keep ignoring stuff <laughs> no, like this. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they're going to get to the root of the issues and not just constantly, you know, cover it on top, cover it on top. Because, yeah. I mean, the reality is, and it, it's important to keep some perspective here and not look at us and be like, oh, you guys are just bashing Korea. You guys are saying horrible things about Korean men. This is not at all what we're saying. You should listen a little closely mm-hmm. if uh, you really want to understand our heart, but really recognizing that there are um, women who are in really terrible situations and by talking about it like this, bringing it up, you know, people are now sharing those viral videos as horrible as it is to see that with your eyes. The fact is that you suddenly have an impact and realize, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. And so if anything, at least it is waking people up to realize this maybe is my neighbor or maybe my friend or that woman who lives down the street. And maybe I should just be a little bit more compassionate to my neighbor and just be aware mm-hmm. kind of what's happening and recognize that these are some realities that some women are living in today. So we do applaud Korea for taking steps forward or at least the public raising an outcry um, against these abuses that are happening. So, um, of course, I don't want to end on a very low note by any means. And it is true that after some of these situations, uh, the men's occupation, health, criminal records, 
are now offered to the women after 2014 there was a requirement if you're going through these marriage brokers to at least be able to have a language to communicate in with together so Mm -hmm, they are steps forward they're definitely steps forward so we wanted to just uh share with you maybe some uh, resources in case you think you are in this situation or you would like to get more information or maybe some help in some way, uh, you can check out liveinkorea.kr, live, L-I-V-E, inkorea.kr. And so they've got a lot of great resources in there and not just about you know domestic violence, but for um, a lot of people who are not Korean, maybe they don't have a Korean citizenship or don't speak Korean fluently, this is a really good resource for you. And then you can also check out the Tanuri helpline, T-A-N-U-I-R helpline, U-I-R. T-A-N-U-R-I. Helpline. <laughs> I was spelling that out in my head. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the number is 1577-1366. And this is where you can get um, domestic violence relief and follow-up. That is key. Emergency shelter. You can get counseling, interpretation, legal counseling. Um, and this is, they have a whole variety of languages that where you can get this help in so i thought that was really great that this has been established so um yeah i mean we didn't even get into talking about potential issues children in these kind of marriages um might be facing and we could talk about that in the future uh we'd have to do a lot more research because unfortunately there isn't a whole lot of research on that aspect but if you know more things and you'd like to get in touch with us we'd of course love to hear from you and once again i just wanted to emphasize when we're saying foreign brides by no means are we lumping every single non-korean woman who comes to korea and gets married to a korean guy you know we don't there's no way you can make blanket statements like that all we want to know is that people are having healthy loving safe relationships to grow a healthy loving safe society so um now that i said loving safe society let's head over to listener mail oh we got loads of listener mail, which um, was so exciting to see. I get a little jump, a little thrill. You love listener mail. I do love listener mail. I do mail. too. But I think for you, it's just like, it's like the whoa. greatest thing ever. This is listener mail, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I say that every time a, a mailbox, mail comes in. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Whoa, this is listener mail. It's my thing. Yeah, I can verify that. Yeah, you've seen it. So I just wanted to read a couple of messages. Um, Let's see here. Okay. We have uh, one. This is on Instagram. So we released last week the episode about working in Korea. And a lot of people had a lot of questions about that. I'm sure we're going to have more questions come in, but we're just going to answer a few here. So this was one question that said, can you ask whether having a lot of tattoos can stop you from getting an ESL job? Oh, do tattoos stop you from getting an ESL job? It didn't stop me. Because you don't have tattoos. Exactly. No, <laughs> I, um, so I guess it depends on where. But um, for example, if you want to teach uh, just in the public school system through a program like Epic, uh, you know, I know people who have tattoos that came over to teach, but uh, there has to be a way to cover them. So mm. you can't expose them in the class or at school. Um, and so and you have to actually let them know on the application they do ask if you have tattoos uh so i would imagine um yeah so so it doesn't um 
it if anything it might hurt your chances a bit if they you know have a whole bunch of teachers or a pool to choose from but I, I think if you're able to cover it and you're not like tatted up in your face you know then you'll, you'll be okay mm-hmm. um for the private school sector or the academy hagwans um it probably just depends on the actual institution as far as like higher learning or other forms of education um i'm not too aware Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's definitely possible yeah don't don't let that you know consume your Mm -hmm. mind thinking like oh my gosh i gotta learn how to contour and and bake and put foundation on my tattoo every morning (laughs) you don't have to be staining everything you touch yeah you'll be fine um yeah just find a reputable school that's what i'd be more concerned about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay we got another great email here this is uh i believe she is a student so um she's responding to initially well she's responding to a lot of videos here but it seems that the first one is talking about uh, when i was talking about prostitution in korea she said thank you for speaking up about this difficult issue i've been looking for this type of chill yet thoughtful video a lot of koreans i think don't even know about this um and then she just continues to talk about this thank you again um it's a long email so this is kind of why i'm i'm going through (laughs) She said, I recently found out about your channel, which is so helpful as well. I myself am Korean. My whole family members are Korean. But since I'm in an international relationship, I was so eager to find out about these types of information, basically just sharing ideas and feelings, which goes a little bit deeper than just couple vlogs. I hope all of your crew members are also finding this project therapeutic and interesting and that you guys can make a lot more videos. Did you hear that, Michael and Jay? You guys, <laughs> yeah, right. Are you guys listening? <laughs> Um, and then she said the video that led me to your channel was about this beautiful woman who is half Korean, half Berber. So this mm-hmm. is talking about Hyun. My boyfriend is Moroccan. Surprise. Oh. So I found it really rare, this half Korean or even half Asian, half Arabic people's story. So I was really curious about what you guys will say in this video. And then I also saw some other clips about half Egyptian, half Korean man who served in the Korean army. Right? She's going down the list of every she single She really <laughs> is, yeah. Uh, half Pakistani, half Korean brother and sister, which you guys talked about what it's like to grow up Muslim and Korean Christian at the same time. So she just want to say thank you for your work. I find it uh, hard to find maybe these unusual cases as well. And I hope you guys can deal with more cases of international relationships and their families, especially about Korean, Muslim, Arabic people as well. Because uh, I've seen some cases with Korean men and Arabic women getting married, but Korean women to Arabic men, that's kind of hard to find. So uh, sorry I talked too much, but thank you again <laughs> for your wonderful, interesting, thought-provoking videos and the project as well. So Sohyun, that's from Sohyun. Thank you so much for sending in that message. That's... um very i think it gives us a lot of encouragement yeah gives us energy to to read stuff like that yeah we really really appreciate that uh let me just read one last one if that's okay okay uh this is from Layla. dear happy project my name is Layla, and i'm an egyptian american teenager and though i'm not a happy nor am i korean i really relate to many of the experiences shared in your podcasts when i visit egypt i'm too american with my broken arabic and in america i look to egyptian so it's really interesting to see people who are completely different from me ethnic wise to be so similar to me i also love learning about the korean culture and i love that you talk about the good and not so positive aspects that people often overlook so thank you becky j cedric and michael Oh, she knows everyone. Yeah, and everyone else. I really appreciate what you're doing. These podcasts really do get me through exam season, (laughs) which is now. So thank you again, Layla. 
Thank you, Layla. Yeah, that's awesome. I I know I've said this before too, but I really love it when we get messages from people who wouldn't put themselves in the category of mixed Korean. Right. And yet they feel very strongly or they relate or they just enjoy learning. That is so valuable and compassion filled. So it's so great to hear from you. Okay, that's all the listener mail I have today. We have more that we'll share next week. So be sure to tune in to the Happy Project Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, and share this video. Leave us a comment below about what you guys think of today's topic and what you'd like us to talk about in the future. That being said, we are signing off here. Thanks for listening.